0: Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me is my co-host and equal lost boy, Larry Brenner. Hello. Hello. You can find us at our Facebook page, Once Upon a Disney Podcast, and on Twitter at at Andy Redwine, A-N-D-I-E, and Redwine, just like it sounds, and uh, Larry at Larry Brenner 6. So today, Larry, we're gonna talk about Peter
1: Pan.
0: Peter Pan. So Larry, why don't you get us started today?
1: Okay. And so right off the gate, so that we you look, know, we're an educational podcast. We're talking about Peter Pan through the lens of screenwriting. What things what things would do we consider to be skillful screenwriting? What things, if done today, would not be be successful in a screenplay Uh, obviously Peter Pan was a successful film uh, so to talk about it any other way would be silly but for Andy and I to really have this conversation we want to we want to take the the ugly element of the film and get it out of the way Uh, the depiction of the natives of Neverland I'm going to call them Neverland natives uh, it is Ugly, ugly, ugly. Wrong, 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 wrong. Then, wrong. Certainly wrong now. Absolutely. Um, I don't think that Andy and I, uh, neither of whom, to my knowledge, have any native uh, ancestry, are the right people to talk about all of the ways in which it's wrong. Uh, That it's a worthwhile conversation. It's not what we're here to do, Uh, but it's. I mean, there's not. One small bit of me that feels like we can't just outright condemn the depiction here. Absolutely. I think both of... Andy, you will agree with me. We both watched that part of the movie with our hands over our eyes waiting for it to be over.
0: Shock and horror. Um, You know, it was such a caricature. And it's just, it's not justifiable on any level. So... Um, I really appreciate what Disney has to say at the beginning of their films now and just letting people, giving people a heads up that um, that perpetuating these kinds of caricatures, you know, isn't good. It just isn't. So I'm really glad that we are able to talk about this and at the same time. I think they're right in keeping it as part of their genre so we can talk about these kinds of issues and allow people um, with that particular heritage to make statements about it. I mean, Peter Pan is quite literally in the DNA of Disney film. And so for them to omit it would be, a, you know, and act like a whitewash it and act like it didn't happen would be problematic. But I think learning from it and moving forward is, is ideal. And I think you're exactly right. That's what we're here to do is to figure out what works and what doesn't, doesn't that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work at all. Agreed.
1: Um, so let's, let's move into, uh, our opening conversation, which is usually about um, the manishtana, uh, which is uh, the phrase I use all the time, which means why is this the day in Peter Pan that we're following? Uh, so uh, I've said this, I've said this before. I'll repeat it every once in a while. Um, in Passover, at the beginning of Passover, we ask the four questions, which is why is this night different from all other nights, and that begins manishtana. And I always like to go to a screenplay and I like to say, why is this the day we watch the the adventure we see with Peter Pan as opposed to any other of Peter Pan's adventures? He has fought Captain Hook before. He will likely fight Captain Hook again. Why is today the day? What is what is the reason that all of this happens now?
0: Well, I think that's, it's, it's interesting because I know that this book, uh, the Peter, Peter and Wendy Barry's book, um, is the, this is the adaptation for that book. So it's always difficult in an adaptation to know exactly where do you begin. But I think the smart place, um, is generally the one that most efficiently sets up the dramatic question. And I think the dramatic question here is, is Wendy going to grow up and leave her childhood behind? Um, I think that's one of the uh, the big dramatic questions anyway. Um, <clears throat> so we're we're trying to figure out this family and what the problem in this family is. And obviously we see conflict in this family from the get-go, but this is the night where Mr. Darling has had enough and Wendy is going to move to her own room and leave the nursery. And of course, the rest of the family, including the dog, is appalled by this.
1: Oh, I completely agree. As with Mary Poppins, which we talked about two podcasts ago, we have the transgression, right? Right. Uh, Mr. Darling has meddled with the natural order of things. He is forcing Wendy into adulthood, out of childhood before she's ready to make that transition. And that is really going to be the invitation for everything that follows.
0: Right. And it's interesting that you mentioned um, the Banks family. And Mary Poppins because this it never occurred to me just how similar this family is the Banks family is to the Darling family I mean they're almost identical it's 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 London it's a quiet street in Bloomsbury it's so similar to Mary Poppins down to the time period and and even the family structure in a lot of ways they haven't they're they're in need of a nanny there's a nursery I mean just all of the there's just a lot. And and Peter Pan chooses the house in the same kind of way that Mary Poppins does. And everyone is introduced in how they feel about Peter Pan in the same way the Banks family is introduced by how they feel about the need for a nanny. So, that's really I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: No, I th- I was thinking at the entire time there is a definite parallel uh between these two families.
0: Right. So getting in a little bit into exposition, which we started with a little bit talking about um all this happened before in london um the thing i love about disney movies and i never thought i mean i I always love this part when the heavenly choir comes in you know the second star to the right Mm -hmm. if it's neverland you need its light will lead you there and so we know that there's this place called neverland we're not quite sure what neverland is but it's something that we might need and if we need it we're going to get there
1: well and what's interesting is uh in this movie uh also i think in the book wendy knows about neverland she knows about peter pan the she and the boys know about captain hook right so we we get introduced all of this information by watching the kids in the nursery play they're right. actually telling us what the structure of of what we're about to see is unfold is, is going to occur because Um, They know it all already. And because they know it, we're left in the audience. And I think this is a good strategy We're we're catching up with them rather than sitting. The movie could open with Wendy sitting down with with the two boys and reading them a story about Peter Pan. But we get everything we need through the children's play. And I think it's a super smart choice.
0: It's super efficient, and we get to and again, it's seeing instead of do you know instead of just telling us about it, they're actually doing it. We and they're actually doing the thing.
1: And I want to point out, just as we're calling out parallels with Mary Poppins, uh, we have this little bit of magic in the movie mm-hmm. even before Peter Pan appears. You could do an entire movie about the nursery where the dog is the natty
0: oh absolutely right? absolutely like, how did that happen <laughs> Right. and it's every it's, but it, what it does is that you're like why is there a dog and you know immediately about this this family is that they're just they're playful right we know that except for one character he's not so playful but everybody else is like you know okay with a dog being <laughs> in charge of things. Medication, apparently. It's right! <laughs>
1: like, like that, that could be our entire movie. Our nanny, the dog. <laughs> right, absolutely, absolutely. So, um... Inciting incident yes. uh, that comes in is, I. while well, we could point to the emergence of Peter Pan in the window, Mm -hmm. I really do think the inciting incident is earlier than that. I think what prompts Peter Pan to come in is the transgression, as we just pointed out. Um, So that, that forces Peter Pan. He comes in, certainly. But when he hears that Wendy is leaving the nursery immediately, which means no more stories for him to listen to, it prompts him to take her and begrudgingly, the two boys <laughs> right. to Neverland. Right. So we we get through this. Uh, whereas Mary Poppins had a very long build to get us to our story. We get out of the nursery fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. I think uh, within the first twenty minutes, at least, they are up. They are flying out to Neverland, which is where the bulk of our story is going to be.
0: Right. And getting and it's interesting that transgression. Like there's so much set up in that first little bit because. Not only is there a transgression where Darling is frustrated by the childlessness of his children and decides that Wendy's leaving because the child's growing up but and kicks the dog out of the house and all these things happen, and then Peter Pan has to act. And we've got the perfect setup for Act 2 where we're just going to see all that again. We're going to see Peter Pan fighting somebody and trying to save Wendy from hook, or from whoever, right? And the, the kids um, have been playing this whole time, and we're going to see in bigger form in Neverland what's exactly happening when they're enacting that in the nursery. So these kids have been, it's like they've been rehearsing this their whole, you know, their whole childhoods. I, I think that's exactly right.
1: Uh, and act two is broken into this episodic structure. We're going to see the mermaids, um john is going to lead an expedition we have our time with the neverland natives uh every but everything is building up to this big conflict uh the climax which is this battle between peter pan and captain hook that is a we, we get we get a grand tour of neverland leading to this climactic battle uh that is the high point Then Wendy and her brothers end up back in the
0: nursery and we return to a new normal. Right. Um, And of course, there's a lot of growth that takes place, I think, with the characters, especially Wendy. But we can talk about that in a minute. So, again, dramatic questions are important. Um, You know, will Wendy grow up? Wendy doesn't want to grow up, and so she's going to interface with this boy who never grew up to see what life might look like if you don't grow up. What is that? What is life like in Neverland? Um, And I think it's a it's a question that every child asks themselves. Like, why do I have to grow up? I'm I have some teenagers in this house right now that are struggling with that. Like, and I want to be six years old, but at the same time, I want to be thirty. And so, and and how do we how do we work on that? So I think it's a I think it's a universal kind of theme and we get it really fast and I think the expo I think as far as Disney films go this might and I might change my mind here as we go through the series but this is one of those with exposition where we get in and out so well and it's just not it's not doesn't drag I'm excited the whole time um there's always something interesting there's always a gag there's always something that's keeping my attention and and it, and and all of those things aren't just gags to be gags they drive the story
1: and there's a real temptation here i think as an audience member this movie is not particularly long i think it's uh less than an hour and 20 minutes right um and yet i would love to see more of neverland like, oh absolutely like, it does leave me when when it's time for wendy and the boys to go home i'm like so soon <laughs> right <laughs>
0: Right, right. It's not a three-hour tour, that's for sure. So the pacing is just... The pacing is delicious. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I think sometimes Disney has a tendency... I mean, Bambi, I think, is one of those movies, and I love Bambi, but I think it has a tendency to drag in places because of the desire to be beautiful. But there's this... I think in Peter Pan, we have a good balance between art and story.
1: Yeah, Bambi is a meditation, but Peter Pan is a celebration of childhood. And childhood is frenetic energy, fast pace. Everything is intense because that's how children play.
0: That's right. That's right. So let's get into some characters. Um, What is Peter Pan? That is a question that I scribbled down here. And then you said it when we were in pre-production. And I'm like, that is a great, great question. And I'm very curious to see your thoughts on this. So
1: I know the answer from the books. uh, But I don't know the answer from the movie. But maybe we start with the answer from the books, uh, the source material. So the answer is Peter Pan was a baby. The window was left open uh, at his house. And as a baby, he flew out that window to Neverland. um, And he became a young boy. And at a certain point, and this is the part of Peter Pan that always gets me, he he says, although we're not sure if it's true, because Peter's a liar, right. that he flew <laughs> back to the to the house to see his mother again, but the window was shut and there was a new baby in his place. Ooh. Which to me is very much the mythology of the changelings. Right? Yeah, for sure. That that the fairies come, they take a human baby, and they leave one of their babies. In in their place, sort of, sort of thing, and I actually wonder if Peter is best defined as a changeling. Regardless, um, there there's definitely an element of fairy magic to who he is,
0: right? Which makes you wonder if Tinkerbell is part of that. Maybe she's the one who took him from the nursery. <laughs> I mean, and could took be him from his pram, right? Hmm, could be interesting. The,
1: the thing about the thing about Peter visually in the movie is those pointed elven ears, mm-hmm. which tells me that if he was human to begin with, he has been transformed to a degree. Right. Yeah. And, maybe I'm reading too much into the pointed ears, but, maybe. but I, it's certainly intended to conjure <laughs> no, that.
0: No, it's definitely elfish, right? Um, uh, I, you know I have in my notes here, is he a boy with a never-ending childhood? Um is he a boy whose mind is only filled with wonderful thoughts? The thing I notice is that his magic comes from Tinkerbell's pixie dust. It's not inherent. Um, and so, but her magic also comes from his belief in her. So there's a symbiotic relationship between the two of them. And I thought about, is he dead? Is this heaven? You know, is this a place that... Um, you know how does this how does this work i mean we find out at the end of the movie that mr darling sort of remembers if he thinks about it peter pan from his childhood too so is he this sort of eternal being now or
1: and you know we could also argue that peter pan is a god right, right. i mean his last name is pan we see him play the pan pipes that right. he is some sort of force uh, maybe the god of childhood the god of eternal youth maybe. Arguably, we could make that case. Um, the, the real, the real question that I have with Peter Pan is always, if he chose, could he stop being Peter Pan? Could he choose to go back to Wendy? Or, or is there no choice for him?
0: I think the movie Hook is a really good question. That answers that question pretty well. I mean, that's, that's a a, a great exploration into this You know, into this story, but
1: that's one answer, right? I don't know that it's this movie's answer. No, I I love that movie too. I love that movie too. Don't get me wrong.
0: Yeah, I know that his behaviors. (laughs) It never occurred to me, and again, as I get older and I stop looking at things through such a, you know, narrow lens, his behaviors for a boy in 1953 probably worked, but they don't really fly now. No. let um, see what I did there. Okay, fly. Sorry. I know, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. I see it now. I see it now. You know I, I didn't Andy see it right now either.
1: Went right over my head.
0: <laughs> Second start of the right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I, he seems kind of to be the king of Neverland. Um, he's the, he's definitely the principal. There are uh, all these women that are subjected to his whims there. And, but it seems, it doesn't seem sexual. It seems more. I, I don't know.
1: Oh, I disagree.
0: You think it's sexual?
1: I don't think. I don't think Peter Pan sexualizes them, but I think no, they but sexualize him.
0: him. Absolutely, absolutely. And then he just seems sort of, uh, you know, he's not. He's not interested. What? Well, he's interesting.
1: Right. He's immature.
0: Right. 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 So other characters that you like that you've thought about what do you think
1: well i mean so then there's the question about who are the lost boys right are and and how did they get to neverland right are they previous interventions like he's intervened with wendy uh wendy and the boys mm-hmm. wendy john and michael or are are they not from how did he get them where did, where did they come from? How did he gather them? Right. And why did he gather them?
0: Right. Or did they show up or how, I mean, did the same thing happen to them? They were maybe unwanted children that ended up in Neverland or how does, how does all that work?
1: And, and I don't have an answer to that, except that one of them, and I think it was, was it slightly? Mm-hmm. It might have been slightly says, I had him. I remember having a mother. A mother once, right and the other kids don't but slightly does but then maybe slightly is lying like i don't know i it's it's one of those little delicious moments for me that i just i wish i could dig into and and come away with a little bit of truth from it but i'm so glad it's there because it raises this question why why is slightly there right we've got the twins who are not twins right um they but they've decided that they're twins because being twins is fun for them. Right. Right. Um, okay. so so they're interesting characters. Uh, I I am always fascinated by Hook. Um, mm-hmm. I, do we want to talk about Hook now, or do we want to do we want to wait for a bit?
0: Yeah, let's let's flesh out the other characters for just a minute, um, and then we can get back to that because that that brings us to another little topic sure I wanted to get into but um i think the lost boys just my thoughts about that really quickly is that you know in 1953 there are orphanages in the united states and so it kind of has this smack of like these are lost boys being that they you know are lost or unwanted somehow and somehow peter finds them a place where they are wanted in in that kind of a, you know odd um sort of an odd orphanage or uh, foster care setting or something where the kids are there. So that's an interesting, that's a thought that that's at least a thought that my family's had about that.
1: But we, we um, could argue that the lost boys, if Peter is a God, and right. I think there's, I think there's a case to be made for it. I don't know that I believe it, uh, but if he is that the lost boys are his congregation.
0: Yeah. Definitely. They they're definitely him. his followers. Yes, they're definitely his followers.
1: They're, they're uh, there to praise him, to do his bidding, to follow his commands. Peter right. is the leader.
0: There is literally a song called Following the Leader.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, that that is the Lost Boys song. <laughs> that is it. Yeah, they're there to follow. Song.
0: They're there to be followers, right? The mermaids are really interesting to me because they just seem to sit around on rocks and do very little except for, you know, fawn over Peter and antagonize any women that might be might be in his um, purview there. So I don't know.
1: But they're very happy to see Peter.
0: Oh, very. Yeah, they are for sure. And
1: uh, listen uh, to the degree that we have to talk about the native, the Neverland natives. um, They're, they're there. I I, I hesitate to say they're characters because they're caricatures. Right. But I guess we can exalt Tiger Lily a little bit above the others into a character who's worth exploring. Hmm. Um, you know, she, she certainly, I, I mean, man, when you think about the number of women in this movie who just are putting their, making their claim on Peter, <laughs> we've got Tinkerbell, we've got Wendy, we've got Tiger Lily, and we've got the mermaids, right? right. Uh, it's, it's pretty expansive <laughs> there.
0: Yeah. The women seem to get their, um, Their uh, oh, how do I want to say this? They seem to get their identity from like following Peter in a way. They sort of idolize him and follow him too, so and fawn over him. So
1: and he loves it, and he He loves it. He laps that up.
0: He does, but he doesn't reciprocate, which is interesting. So I don't know. He seems to have more of a thing for Tiger Lily than anybody else. But
1: does he? I don't know.
0: Maybe. Well,
1: I. I have thoughts on this, but but it comes; it'll they'll come later.
0: (laughs) Okay, great. They'll come Um, later. What about um, the pirates? So so other
1: other so obviously the big two pirates are Captain Hook and Smee. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm I'm gonna actually I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out here to you, Andy. Um, Okay. With the exception of Peter Pan. Wendy, uh, her brothers, and the possible exception of uh The Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. I do not believe that any of the characters in Neverland are real. At ah. the beginning at the beginning of the movie, uh, we have Wendy telling stories. How does she know about Captain Cook? Captain Hook, rather. Um she talks about wanting to go to a Mermaid Lagoon, and there's a Mermaid Lagoon. Okay. Uh, Michael says he wants to be an Indian brave, his words. Right. Uh, he gets that. It's almost like they're creating Neverland as it goes along. Right. They've, create, they've created all of these things that, in an imagination space, they need to play. Right. Um, Peter Pan wants an adversary, and so he's created Captain
0: Hook, Right right they're definitely Uh, definitely built the plane they need to fly right yeah yeah the the only thing so captain hook
1: for me i i mean symbolically captain hook represents the adulthood that is trying to end the childhood of peter pan oh absolutely captain hook at the same time is pursued by his fear of his own mortality uh i mean I I don't know that this is insight on my part, but that tick, tick tock (laughs) crock, that that inevitable ticking of the clock before you meet your end. uh, I mean, that's midlife crisis 101 (laughs) as a metaphor there.
0: Well, and the character doubling that takes place there, too. Um, And We're going to come back to
1: that. I I see that.
0: Yeah, we'll come back to that. But definitely both of the hook, you know, hook wants to kill Peter. I just wonder he wants him to be gone.
1: Do you think Peter Pan created Hook or Wendy created Hook or did they come there? And my inclination is to say that they were created in the in the book. Peter Pan says, oh, whenever I kill a pirate, I forget about them. And then there's a new pirate. But there's one right. line from Smee in the movie. It's a couple of lines that I find really interesting. And it's that Smee is like, let's go back to the ocean, Captain. Let's go back to normal piracy.
0: He, Smee wants out. Right. That was clear. I wrote that down too. That Smee doesn't, Smee seems to idolize Hook, but he also wants him to go back to being, a grown guy and leave peter pan behind like he's like let's go do our other pirating there's a lot, a lot more to pirate than just right here in neverland and we know that the ship can leave yeah we know that the ship can you know is is just there for a time it's it doesn't have to be there so there's either somebody like wendy called it forth, or something's happening but could, apparently there's some choice on on hook's part too so what's happening i just don't know
1: i i i go back and forth on this and and my instinct is to say except for the kids none of them are real they're just made up in this space
0: but i don't know i don't know it's just an endless it's it's fun to think about it is fun fun to think about this movie well let's get to our recurring segment protagonist problems and this movie because is
1: not an exception to the this protagonist movie problem. Is not
0: an exception, although it's better than some, right? Oh, um, compared
1: to Sleeping Beauty, Peter Pan has much less of a protagonist problem.
0: Absolutely. Um
1: but I would still say you know, you're going to say one person and pretty much whoever you say I'm going to make the argument for the other person uh-huh. just just to keep things adversarial. Okay, uh,
0: good. Good.
1: But um <laughs> but I, honestly, whoever we say, we would probably both agree the other person is also right that it isn't clear. Right. Who's your choice, Sandy?
0: My choice is Wendy. She does the most changing. She goes from never wanting to grow up to wanting to grow up. She has choices to make. Um, but she gets a little lost in the, you know, in the second act. But she is definitely the one who is in charge of the first act and the ending. So I'm going to go with Wendy.
1: Okay. And secretly, I would go with Wendy too. <laughs> for all of the reasons that you mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, we start on Wendy more than we start on Peter Pan. Uh, w- Wendy is the visitor to the New Land. These uh-huh. are otherwise just days in the life of Peter Pan.
0: Right. I mean, she's definitely... The, it's Stranger Came to Town, right? So Wendy is the stranger that comes to to, to Neverland. And what is... It? is are she going to change Neverland, or is Neverland going to change her? I and think it's I, the latter.
1: And I... With a heavy heart, but I'm going to commit to it. No one's going to (laughs) know that this is not really my stance. I'm going to argue that Peter Pan is the protagonist of the movie. Oh, okay. And I'm going to point to the fact that when we get to the climax, it is not a battle between Wendy and Captain Hook. It is a battle between Peter and Captain Hook. And Wendy is on the sidelines with us as the audience watching this fight. She has no agency in the ultimate struggle between good and evil here. That that's all Peter's job. Um, and I'm I, now. Your argument against me is likely, but does Peter grow and change over the course
0: he of the movie? He doesn't. That was I was just getting ready to say that, but he doesn't really change that much. His he's he. Gosh. We know what Peter's going to do. We know how he's going to. But you're going to say he changes. So let's hear it.
1: Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to say he changes. I'm going to say, though, that Peter is tempted to change
0: mm. uh,
1: and he resists that temptation and recommits to becoming Peter Pan. But I think the temptation is there, which is going to get to the other question that I asked you to uh, to to put on on the outline.
0: Yes. But, Who's but, the re- yes. Can we get into it.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: I've, okay. I've been waiting all, all week. You've been waiting all week. Okay, who's the real villain of this movie?
1: I don't think it's Captain Hook. He's the antagonist. Uh-huh. But I think there is a significantly darker force in this movie. <laughs>
0: and that is
1: Neverland itself.
0: <gasps> but Neverland is the villain. Say I think more, Neverland Larry. Is the villain. Say more.
1: Okay, so here is my argument. Neverland. So I, I'm going to go for a bit. And, and so if you need to stop me, stop me. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to take pauses and check in with you. But this is my like tinfoil hat moment. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> Excellent. <Bring> okay. It. <laughs> so why does Peter Pan lives in Neverland? And it's fun to be in Neverland. So why is he sitting outside of Wendy's window? What brings him there? Why does his shadow run away from him Mm. why does it flee to wendy and not stay with him and i'm going to argue that there is a part of peter pan that wants to escape neverland that does not want to be there anymore that this endless paradise this endless uh children's game gets boring for him and he's coming to Wendy because Wendy has new stories for him, new games for him to play, new ideas. Because mm-hmm. he's getting bored and he needs something new. And, and there's a part of him that wants to stay with Wendy. The shadow exemplifies that. Mm-hmm. And then he comes up with a brilliant idea. Why don't I take Wendy back to Neverland? Wendy will make Neverland good again. Neverland itself, exemplified in part by Tinkerbell, but I think exemplified by everything. Yeah. Treats Wendy like she is a uh she is a germ mm-hmm. infecting paradise. They, they, they have like an antibody response to Wendy. Tinkerbell does not want wendy there and they like no, the first thing not. she first thing she does is uh she she forces the lost boys to try to shoot wendy down right. peter pan intervenes saving wendy's life then wendy wants to see the mermaids and the mermaids try to drown her and again <laughs> peter pan it's a lot to of soft
0: murder going on. This.
1: Oh, oh, it's, but but it is murder. I mean, what is what does the mermaid <laughs> say? One of my favorite lines: "We were just going to drown her <laughs> a little." Little. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> oh,
1: here's the soft but, murder. But they they keep trying to get rid of her to the point when when they are with the Neverland natives, and this is the moment that's important for me. Two things happen to marginalize Wendy. And the first is the first is Tiger Lily kisses Peter and Peter mm-hmm. gets all red in the face, because right. I think part of the way that that Neverland is responding to Wendy is how can we address Peter's needs for companionship without this Wendy girl? Right. right. And so, like, I think Neverland creates Tiger Lily to be a better foil for Peter to be a better partner for Peter, a better romantic, like he can still play games, right? Mm-hmm. Like it'll mm-hmm. still be an adventure. Tiger lilies here, and then the other thing that happens almost simultaneously is this mean, um, semi-matriarchal figure in the of the Neverland natives comes right. out and tells Wendy she can't play with all right. of the others. Girls don't play. Girls work. Right. She says it in much uglier language than I'm saying it. Right. <laughs> Neverland does not want Wendy to stay. It right. is an unpleasant experience for her at every turn. They want to push her away. And here is my reason Wendy represents a real threat to Neverland. Mm-hmm. Because if Peter falls in love with Wendy, It will make him want to grow up. And if he grows up, Neverland is done. Tinkerbell is done. This world of imagination fades away. And I think what we actually see in the course of this movie is the villain wins. Neverland keeps its claws on Peter. Wow. Is that a dark interpretation?
0: No, I don't think it's that dark. Um, You know, one of the things I, I think it's I think it's great. One of the things that I have been thinking about all week, um, the idea of—and I said it earlier—that they're building the plane that they need to fly. If Wendy is saying, "I'll be a mermaid in the lagoon," I think she is in in some ways Peter Pan. In a lot of ways, where she's refusing to not grow up. And then what does that look like? And then the idea of, you know, that Neverland is attacking her, and almost in the attack, Neverland is forcing her to grow up. Because if she stays there and plays, she's just going to be hurt. You can't just stay a child. You have to you have to, you can you can look at it fondly, you can tell stories about it, you can be, you know, you can introduce your own children to it, but at some point you have to grow up. And I think that's kind of that's where I'm at with it. Okay, well, so question for you, Andy. Yes. Why does Neverland not
1: cause the same thing to happen to john and michael
0: because they're smaller i think it's because they're younger you think so i think so and they're also willing to follow peter wherever he may go right I and mean, they're leading the expeditions they're getting tied up with the lost boys they just sort of fall in with the lost boys but do you, do you but wendy's Pete, a little different
1: do you think if peter just took john and michael they would stay
0: maybe so maybe that's how lost boys become lost boys right i
1: i i don't know i don't know john at least uh, I, we don't talk much about john and michael and that's there's really not much to talk about there right um but john at least has the trappings of being an adult right right he wears his proper englishman's hat his right. his umbrella you know he's he's got that sort of playing at being an adult thing but it's still play
0: right right for sure. It's just an it's a really interesting dilemma of how how much um, which is an interesting problem. And and it's and again, it's because it's such an interesting problem and such an interesting setting, you can go back there and explore new new facets of it.
1: Here's the other thing I want to throw out. Yeah. I yeah. think it ties into the earlier point about Hook and and Peter. Mm -hmm. I think this is the greatest battle between hook and Peter that there has ever been. Right. right? And I think part of the reason is Wendy makes Peter vulnerable in a way in which Peter has never been vulnerable before because Neverland is so focused on getting rid of Wendy. It's not paying attention to hook. Mm -hmm. And so when hook comes in, With his sly, with his sly little, you know, organ music and his proposition to Tinkerbell. Right. Uh, Peter is put in a very real danger. I don't think there's ever been a serious moment where Peter might have died, except for the bomb. Hook gets closer to his objective than he's ever gotten before. And I think that's another reason why we're watching this movie.
0: Oh, absolutely. And Hook's able to seduce Tinkerbell in a way that he's never been able to do it before. Because it was always clear Tinkerbell could be persuaded because now she's jealous, right? Yes. Now she's jealous and it's, well, I'll show her. Right. Right. Yeah. And her life is on the line. In the
1: sense that if Peter falls in love with Wendy, is he going to say those words? You know, I don't believe in fairies. Is he going to say that? And then Tinkerbell dies.
0: Right. So her life is, and Wendy is a a definite threat to to everything. So Wendy growing up is a threat to to all, to the entire world. Yeah, I agree. Ah, so much, so much here. Um, And I want to get into character doubling a little bit. Yes, Um, please. You know, we were talking about Hook. Um, Both Hook and Mr. Darling want to kill Peter Pan. They both do. Um, and of course, they're both cast. It's the, the same character, um, the same actor as Hans Conrad. And he is, um, he is, he has, they even look a little similar. They have the same coloring. They have the same hair color. Um, and both of them want to kill Peter Pan because they're tired of, they're tired of it. Um, so in a way, Darling is created Hook. I would, I would argue that maybe Darling has created Hook in this and that the children have sort of created this story of somebody who wants to take all this wonderment away and hook is that person
1: i i'm certainly not a coincidence right no no um, I, I think we're i think you're right i think we are intended to draw the line between hook and i i mean it's just there even the initial silhouette when you see that silhouette of mr darling through the window shade right is is hook
0: oh absolutely yeah, I, I think
1: that's an interesting choice. We also learn, though, at the end that that Mr. Darling isn't hook. Right. That in a sense he's been playing at being this fierce adult who's like, I'm gonna make you go out of the nursery. Right. But without any intervention whatsoever, by the time he gets home, he's like, I don't really want Wendy to grow up. Right. I was just <laughs> mad because they drew on my on my ascot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And you know, it's like and, of, and he's like and he apologizes to Nana. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know like he's not as as much as he he is the inspiration for Hook. He
0: isn't Hook. He isn't Hook. No. He just he was pretending to be. And sometimes adults become pirates. We don't want to do that, but sometimes we just our human nature gets the better of us and we just become pirates. Sad. Uh, I, I think that's true. You have to apologize to be, for becoming pirates. But do
1: but do you think that part of what Mr. Darling's problem is is the same problem that Hook has, which is he's jealous of their youth.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, who wants to who wants to adult all the time? It's right. <laughs> I'm
1: taking care of you all the time. Won't someone take care of me? Take care of me, uh, right? There's this desire among the pirates for Wendy to be their mother. Right, right. I mean, it's. Even the pirates want to go back to being children. Right. Absolutely. Although I I may be remembering that from the book and not from the movie. They they tend to blur in my head a little bit, which I think speaks to the faithfulness of the adaptation.
0: Oh, I think this is a very faithful adaptation. Agreed. You mentioned before, just really quickly, about a foil. And I think it would be a good idea for our listeners. And again, I'm not always sure who listens to us or you know, how, how close they are to screenwriting or if they're thinking about if they just enjoy Disney movies or whatever. But I think it's important to talk about the device of a foil. Sure. Um, so what a foil is, is it's, it's a character that reveals the essence of one character through the actions of another. And there are several different possibilities for foils in this, um, in this movie. One is Mr. and Mrs. Darling. So, Mrs. Darling sort of accentuates Mr. Darling's attitudes by just just by contrast. So, we get to see her softness and we get to see his harshness, and the softer she gets, the worse he gets. So, and the more, you know, to the point where it bubbles over and Nana's out of the nursery and we're not having a dog in here and you're growing up and all these things. So, um, her acceptance of the children accentuates his, you know, just desire to not have them around. Or to not, you know, to get everybody grown up, and this is ridiculous, and all this, you know, Peter Pan poppycock, right? Yeah,
1: I, I mean, she's what we would call they They are oppositional foils to right. one another, right? right. But by, by 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 putting these two contrasting characters together, it reveals the conflict of, of the entire movie, right? She's the advocate for letting them be children as long as they want to be children. He's the advocate for my children need to grow up,
0: right? Right. Um, thinking about that, are there any other foils that you see in this? Movie? Well, Hook
1: and Pan are and are Pan. oppositional foils as well. Sure. Um, I think they have more in common than either one of them will admit. But you know, Peter Pan is like this endless world of games and not taking anything seriously. Whereas Hook, Hook is not seeing this as a game; he sees it as a war. Right. 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 And he's not and, playing. He's not playing. He wants to win. And Peter, this is delightful. I think Peter Pan loves Hook. And I don't yeah. mean that. I don't mean that like Peter Pan would ever say, You're my best friend. But Captain Hook is his best friend because without him, who's he going to play games with? There's
0: no conflict. Right. Right. He, there's just no conflict.
1: So, so, I mean, that's childhood versus adulthood. Um, would you say that Wendy and Tinkerbell are foils?
0: I would. In fact, I have that in my notes. Um, Wendy knows a whole lot about magic, but Tinkerbell is magic. And so I think you can make a pretty good case that in addition to antagonizing Wendy and trying to, you know, cause her murder, Tinkerbell is also her foil. Because we learn more about Wendy through Tinkerbell. It's effort, like magic for her is effortless. Wendy has it's, it's a theory, but now she's doing it in practice, and maybe it's not as good as she thought it was. You know, she seems to be, Wendy seems to be pretty hesitant about, even though she told all these great stories, she doesn't want to live them. And she can play them, but she doesn't want to live in never and Neverland and the realities of it. Right. Whereas Tinkerbell embodies the realities of, of Neverland.
1: I wonder if we see when we're talking about character arcs just a little bit mm-hmm. that that Wendy actually teaches Tinkerbell a lesson.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh, and this is a oh well if you say absolutely, because I'm just forming it. Do you wanna
0: Oh yeah. I mean I think that uh, Tinkerbell has a um Tinkerbell has you know this jealousy that she has to overcome and she realizes that not maybe not everything that glitters is, you know, is gold. And she has to do what she has to do, um, to get, um, I'm not going to make any sense. <laughs> no, no, I'll,
1: I'll, throw me the ball. Throw me the ball. Uh, I'll go in there. Uh, so when you're talking about her being <laughs> jealous, what is jealousy, but loving someone selfishly? Yeah. Right. Um, so, so Wendy loves selfishly. She wants to own Peter. Right. She, Peter is hers. And Wendy doesn't approach Tinkerbell in that way. Wendy is willing to when Wendy sees Tinkerbell and says, oh, you're so beautiful. Right. She's not she's not looking at Tinkerbell as a rival. Right. Wendy is loving is wants to love Neverland and Peter and Tinkerbell and her brothers and all of the lost boys. Wendy's nature is to give love unselfishly. To anyone who wants it. Right. Whereas Tinkerbell's nature is to cling and to own and to control. And maybe we could see a bit of an arc in Tinkerbell in that she's been so consumed with selfishly loving Peter that she's she realizes she's actually put his life at danger. And then she selflessly puts her risks her own life to rescue him. And I would love to think. But the person who inspired her to love Peter selflessly
0: is Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like that. Yeah, I do too. There are a lot of relationships in this movie. Um, I keep thinking about what's a mother. I keep coming back to that. Peter seems to be on this quest for a mother, um, not only for himself, but also the Lost Boys. And the thing that gets the children to want to leave Netherland is the desire for their mother, yeah. which seems to be the opposite of, you know, never wanting to grow up. You can grow up, but you still can have your mother, too. And so I think that's a neat um, that you can still have that loving sort of balanced uh, restraint, you know, in your life without uh, with uh, and, and grow up with that force in your life, too.
1: If I have a quibble with this movie, I mean, other than the major quibble, (laughs) right? right. if I have a minor quibble with this movie, it's that I I don't feel like we get the full emotional payout of the lost boy saying they want to go back and have a mother, too. Yeah. And that Peter is going to be alone on Neverland uh, if all if Wendy takes all of the children with her. Uh, I do think the lost boy should come back. I want I want those Lost Boys to come back and grow up. I want Peter to come back and grow up. And we see off camera. We don't see. We hear mm-hmm. Wendy say at the last second the Lost Boys decided to stay with Peter. Right. But I want, it's an hour and 20 minutes. Give me those two minutes where the Lost Boys decide to go back. Right. Give it to me. I want
0: it. They've been following the leader this whole time. Wouldn't it be interesting if they took a break and decided that? Not just wherever he may go, because he told us so, but we're going to actually go um, and do what we want to do. And, and um, if you're and committed find to find their own purpose,
1: and if you're committed to staying an hour and twenty minutes, I, I have some. I have a section of the movie that could use some <laughs> some cutting. Um, we we could edit down some of the racist stuff and uh, put put something else in.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I think this relationship is really really important. These these lost boys are something that are, are really sort of tragic um because their their want for Wendy never gets completely resolved yeah. um although Wendy is going to stay in the nursery and so maybe she'll keep telling stories and maybe they'll get to hear them but um yeah right. i have another problem with this movie um oh. it's, and again it's a tiny little quibble <laughs> but it's Darling's relationship to Peter Pan. So how could he forget Peter Pan when the children literally talk in the ship, when the children literally talk about it all of the time? (laughs) So is he pretending that he didn't know about Peter Pan? Is he trying to overcome it? Is he trying to lock away that part of his childhood? But as I remember, you know, a ship, you know.
1: I I think... What what we're really what we're really saying here uh, or what I, I don't have a problem with this part at all, because I get it, which is um, Mr. Darling has been so focused on seeing his children grow up. He forgets that part of the reason that we have kids is so we can relive our childhood. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, playing with my kids, especially when they were super little. Getting down on the floor with them and making guys talk and (laughs) and the the imaginative play. I get to relive my childhood when I do that. Absolutely. And I think maybe for the first time in a long time, if ever, you know, he's caught up in this imaginative world that his children play. And what he's remembering isn't so much Peter Pan, but he's remembering himself as a kid.
0: Right. Cufflinks can become buried treasure, right? You said earlier you think Wendy
1: is Peter Pan. I think we all are, Peter
0: Pan. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I was thinking about my kids, too. I remember being, you know, just I would make my hand into like a little mouth. And like that was our puppet. So I would be like, hello, hand baby. It was hand baby. Hi, hand baby. You know, with Angelina. And then she got to the place where she would talk to herself in her crib with her own hand baby. You know? so yes, and I. It's used like to we stick- just do this and we just take we take these stories and ideas and our kids take them and run with them. And so that that begs the question. i mean, did 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 she did Wendy learn about Peter Pan? How did they always know about Neverland? Did she learn it from Mom? Did she learn it from did he tell her about that when they were very, very small? And then he just sort of forgot. I mean, I don't know. It's just a kind of hanging there for me, yeah,
1: but but I believe it. and and it and it could be Peter Pan um uh, goes by many different names and whatever childhood companion we invent ah. they become peter pan for us or they become some someone else for for another for another child but it's all the same place neverland never i don't think neverland has the fixed geography i do think it grows and shrinks as the children play i i it's i i don't I think it's a place of constant change. And I think there is a relationship between Neverland. It's fueled by the imagination of children.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is why Peter has to keep believing in Tinkerbell. Otherwise she dies, right?
1: Right. And why Peter needs to keep hearing new stories to spark his imagination.
0: That's right. So, given Return to Neverland and Tinkerbell and the fairy series and Jake and the Neverland Pirates... And a litany of other great Peter Pan Hook, remakes. that even you mentioned. Hook. Yeah, non-Disney Peter Pan remakes. How would we do the sequel or a rewrite? Or what kinds of things might we consider?
1: Um, so I'm going to say, I have not seen Return to Neverland, but I know that you have. Um, I'm holding off on seeing it so that if we eventually choose to do it, um, I'll see it for the first time. Oh, good. Um, but... The premise from what I understand is exactly right on. It's uh Wendy's daughter, yes, goes to Neverland. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh which is hinted at in the book. So right. I I'm going to I'm going to go with a different answer. I I think if they got the sequel right, and I don't know that they did or didn't, but I'm saying but the premise seems spot on. Yep. I want to do a prequel. Yes. I want yeah,
0: do you like that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly what I have. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Share your ideas.
1: I want to do Hook's first visit to Neverland. Uh And I want to see, uh, at first, Peter Pan look to Hook as sort of a father figure. I want to see them bond and grow and come together. And then I want to see Hook ruin it. I want to, I want to, I want to see that relationship be transformed That hook ruins it through jealousy. I want to, I want to see how we get Neverland to the place that Peter's going to bring Wendy there.
0: I love it. Um, I also put down a prequel where I'm really curious about Mr. Darling's relationship with Peter Pan. And could that shed light on Peter's origin story? So we're like, were they brothers where one decided to grow up and the other didn't? Mm-hmm. And that's why he sort of resents Peter Pan and then wistfully looks for him at the end. I don't know. So those two things, I could see those two ideas being married together. Sure. That would be an interesting that'd be an interesting prequel. Somebody should hire us to do that. Later. I, I,
1: I have no I <laughs> hey, uh if you're listening. <laughs>
0: I love it. Well, next week we have a special guest, um, and she picked Aladdin, and so we're going to spend some time with that little gem of a movie.
1: And this is the original animated Aladdin, yes, From the nineteen nineties.
0: Yes, nineteen yes, ninety-two. Yes, I think so. Right? Okay, yeah. So, wow, Larry, that was we really unpacked a lot there with Peter Pan. Um, I think so. I'm excite- yeah, I'm excited about next week with Aladdin, and um, you can. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us at Once Upon a Disney. You can find us at Andy Redwine and at Larry renner 6 on Twitter or on our Facebook page by searching for Once Upon a Disney Podcast. We welcome all your thoughts and comments and anything you have to say about how we're right or how we're wrong or maybe something we overlooked. We're excited to hear from you. So until next time, we'll okay. see you real soon. See Bye-bye. you real soon.